alcohol and uh, things that come to mind. Not a whole lot, no. Uh, Polish sausages? No, I don't know anything about that country. <laughs> Pierogies. Is that it? We hope it's not. That's what we're going to try to show you. Welcome to Polcast, Paul and all that jazz. Hello, I'm Małgorzata Bonikowska. And I'm Tomek Kniat. Welcome to the 19th episode of Polcast. In this episode we will tell you... How an American from Ohio teaches himself Polish. How Poles watch foreign films on television. And how an actor from the Polish town of Opole became a Canadian theatre director and succeeded in building bridges between Poland and Canada. Smacznego! We're here talking about our love for eating Polish. My name is Peter. And my name is Laura. And we wrote two heritage Polish cookbooks called Classic Polish Recipes and Classic Polish Desserts, where all the recipes have been handed down from previous generations. But updated for modern kitchens, so no more pinch of this or a glass of that. With summer here, chilled salads are great to accompany lunch or supper. Classic Polish salads are light, refreshing, and pair well with just about any main course. Poles use a lot of sour cream, but you can also substitute Greek yogurt for a healthier spin. Peter's parents love this salad, made with grated carrot, shredded apples, a touch of horseradish to wake it up, sour cream, of course, and a touch of sugar, all mixed together for a colorful, kicky side salad. And that really goes well with barbecue. I love radishes, so one of my favorite Polish salads is to slice a very thinly fresh bunch of big, fat red radishes right off the farm. A mandolin works well if you don't slice off the tip of your finger like Peter did a couple of years ago. Did you have to tell him that? Anyway, mix the slices with sour cream, give it a little salt, bam! Sprinkle fresh chopped dill over the top, serve on pretty lettuce leaves, and you'll amaze everyone around the table with your skills. You know, beets are one of the world's superfoods. Not everyone is a fan, but if you start with fresh ones from the market and roast them in the oven, they'll taste a lot better than out of the can. Milder, richer, with a lot more depth. And when you slice them into thin strips, combine them with some dried currants or cranberries, add a tangy vinaigrette dressing, the beets are totally transformed by acquiring a new set of flavors. This has been a very popular salad that was featured in Healthy Aging magazine. The full recipes for these salads and information about our cookbooks are on our website, www.polishclassiccooking.com, in the blog posts dated January 30, 2013 and July 14, 2014. linguist by education, I'm fascinated with language, and this is why we have talked a lot about the Polish language on our podcast. But this one is a truly fascinating story. 
On our Facebook podcast page, we posted a video of an American man speaking pretty good Polish just after three months of studying it. I've contacted him to ask for an interview. Preparing for it, I discovered that he has produced hundreds of language-related YouTube videos and that Polish is just one of many, many languages that he has learned. I've reached Moses McCormick in Columbus, Ohio, to talk to this incredible, super polyglot. First of all, you, you, it's not just Polish, right? You're just a person who's extremely interested in languages. Right. I, I've been studying languages since I was 18. My first, uh, first foreign language, well, well, besides the ones that I took in high school, seriously, was Chinese. Chinese Mandarin. Yeah. And then I start learning more like Chinese, Japanese, Korean and uh, Hindi, Arabic. Originally, I just wanted to do Chinese, but I, I was meeting people from Korea. You see, at the time, I, I couldn't tell if they were from Korea. So I just tried to I thought I was going to practice Chinese with them. They said, no, I'm not from China. I'm from, I'm from <laughs> South Korea. And that kept happening. So I said, you know what? I have an idea. I'm going to get a phrase book and I'm going to learn some words in, in their language. So when I do meet them, at least I could say something. So I did that with several languages, and here I am now. I'm still doing that, and um, I don't plan on stopping. How many have you studied or learned? Or it's about probably about fifty languages that I've actually either dabbled with, you know, study a little bit of. You know, of course, not fluent in all those languages. It might be more than fifty. I just lost track. So now, now you're in your Polish phase. Now I'm in the Polish phase, and right now I'm actively studying Finnish and Polish. And my goal for those two languages, I want to get advanced level in those two languages. Originally, I wanted to just learn Finnish for the year 2016. I was going to spend a whole year learning that language until I get to that level. And for uh, Polish, it was like, okay, I'm going to do Polish for three months. Then it changed because when I made my video and I, <laughs> all these people were contacting me, it, it made me feel more motivated to learn more of the language. So I, I, I decided to take it more seriously and take it to a higher level. Yeah, what have you learned about learning languages? Well, the first thing that people need to realize is, is, is it takes time, a lot of time. What I've learned over the years, especially if you haven't had, if you don't have experience learning a language, you have to be really patient. Learning a language is not easy. A certain approach which I take makes the process more easy and less stressful because if you learn your first language, you can learn any language. Because, you know, when we learn languages when we go to school, grammar is a big part of it. We get tested over that. But I learned over the years that grammar, by approaching it as a total beginner, is going to make it really difficult. Why? Because you have no base, you have no experience with this language. So it's like, how, 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 how are you going to try to understand something when you haven't even had any experience learning the grammar? If you can avoid that for at least a good six months, three to six months, then it will get easier for you. Because then when you do start learning grammar, you will notice certain patterns that you saw when you were playing with that language. Say, okay. That makes sense. So basically what you're saying is first, just kind of learn it intuitively or? Just learn it intuitively. Just kind of play with the language, listen to it a lot, learn phrases, and, you know, interact with the people. Eventually, you're going to reach an intermediate level at least. And then when you reach that level, then you can start investigating more into the grammar. Well, when I first started learning Chinese, I didn't really study grammar. I did like the phrases and all that stuff. But when I tried to learn Russian, I was trying to do grammar and the grammar was ridiculous. And then I realized I have to keep taking that approach that I took with Chinese. Just learn, just play with the language, get used to things. And then later on, once you're on a level of you at least conversing, then you can start looking to the grammar. So 
I think if a lot more people take on that concept, they will learn more languages and they will, they will be open to learn. Which language so far has been the most difficult? I would say uh, as far as pronunciation, definitely Polish, Vietnamese, um, Navajo. Polish is crazy. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Polish, Polish is ridiculous. As far as the grammar, I would say Finnish is probably the most difficult language I've learned. There's some other languages like Japanese, and um, but Finnish, the grammar, I study at least 50 languages. And I thought Russian was the most difficult at first because I did, because that's a case language. Well, you know? So it's Polish. Oh, so it's Polish and Finnish is as well, but Finnish has more cases. So then which one was the easiest for you? The easiest pronunciation wise, I would say Indonesian. Yeah, grammatically, dang, what, I don't even know. What is the easiest language grammatically? Because Chinese is not difficult grammatically. Uh, Thai, Vietnamese, those languages, the, Engli the, the grammar is very similar to English. Maybe Esperanto. Let's talk about how much time you spend on this. Well, right now my regimen is um, I'm doing Finnish and Polish full time. I have immersion days. Yesterday was Polish immersion day. Today is Finnish. And then tomorrow will be Polish. I have more days for Polish than Finnish. That's for the whole day. And when I say immersion, I'm talking about playing radio. I can be washing the dishes or take a shower, but I always have things playing. And then I have books I read and I like to watch some cartoons on YouTube. Then also I have some partners. I have a guy. He's a native speaker from Poland and a guy who's a native speaker Finnish. I meet with them for an hour every day and we just practice. We practice the language together. So that's about four hours a week for that, just that meeting with them. But I would say if someone asked me what's the recommended hours of learning, I would say if you can do at least three hours, it doesn't have to be consecutive. I think that that will be sufficient. Now, let's talk about your learning Polish. So you have this T-shirt on that thing hanging behind you. So, so that means <laughs> yeah. not just mechanical language learning. You do more. You learn about the culture. You learn about people. I want to learn as much as I can about Poland and the Polish people. I'm going to get to an advanced level in Polish. So. What do you think about Polish? Like compared to all these languages? So, yeah, Polish is very difficult. Why? Because they have the cases, the pronunciation is ridiculous. I mean, overall, it's a, it's a difficult language. But at the same time, it's very interesting. When you look at certain words, like P-R-Z, you, you have three consonants. Whatever, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, very, it's a very difficult language, but at the same time, it's interesting. And um, compared to other languages, it's, it's definitely unique, a very unique language. You know, pronunciation, grammar. I don't, I don't have anything negative to say about the language. I, I really like Polish language. How much have you learned about Poland itself? Not just the language, but about Poland, Polish people. So far, I, and I noticed that Polish, are, Polish people are very energetic. They seem to be, I don't know if it's enthusiasm, but they seem to be always, uh, I don't even know if I could use the term hyper. Apart from Polish, what other Slavonic languages have you learned? Did Russian, uh, played a little bit around with Czech a little bit, uh, Serbian, Croatian, Bulgarian. I, I was supposed to do Polish for three months and then I was, you know what I was supposed to be doing now? Macedonian. But since my plans changed for Polish, I'm not stopping Polish until I get to that level. I, every year I choose one language to do for a whole year. And I also have four other small languages that I normally do, but I only spent three months doing it. You can do, if you do that for three months, you can learn four languages in one year. So I chose four languages to do that with, and then one that I spent a whole year on, which is Finnish. See, that was the one I was doing for the whole year, but now Polish is there as well. I can't stop Polish. Because it's interesting or because what? When I got all that support and all those people, they were like, man, you know, I mean, I got, I got some attention in the past, but 
I think with this Polish thing, it's, it's, it was the worst. Like my inbox and also my Facebook full of Polish. Oh, you're doing so good with Polish and keep going. A lot of the messages were in Polish too. I was like, where is this stuff coming from? Then that's when a guy told me that, hey, you're awesome, man. We saw your video. You got our support. They say they love you, man. <laughs> Moses, you're a big time YouTube guy. You have produced an impressive number of YouTube videos about language, right? I do a lot of stuff, but mostly I share my techniques, how I go about learning. I give a lot of advice. I answer a lot of questions. My most popular videos are the level up videos where I either go to another state or city and I'll go to these different markets and I'll walk in. I have a camera that I wear and I approach them and then I'll talk with them in English at first, but then I'll ask them, where, where are you from? And then when they, when they, when they tell me that, then I'll switch languages and then they'll say, wait, you, how do you speak that? They said, you speak that. <laughs> um, I practice, obviously the video you saw, um, I practice speaking the language. I have some reading practice videos where I show people that, you know, this is what I do. I, I read, repeat, read, repeat. I record myself doing that and show people that they can do the same thing. I have some interviews with certain people. I got over 2,000 videos. So do you, do you have time for like anything else in your life other than Oh language? yeah, I have a life. I have three kids and I'm married and stuff. But languages, that is a big part of my life. That's actually how I make a living because I'm, I'm teaching that as well. On podcast, we could only let you listen to a short version of this fascinating conversation. Please visit our website at mypolcast.com to listen to our full interview, to see photos and links to the videos that Moses produces. I'm sure we will talk to him more throughout the year he has devoted to mastering our Polish language. We watch many foreign movies on TV. In Canada and the US, such films are shown with subtitles. In other countries, especially in Germany and German-speaking countries in Europe, they are often dubbed. But this is not the Polish way. Of course, in Polish films, dubbing is also used. But in Poland, most foreign films are watched on television with voice-over. Basically, all the dialogues are read out by one person, no matter if the characters are male or female. Great majority of people employed to do voiceover for movies are men. Some voices are very popular and every Pole knows them from numerous films. Compared with dubbing, it is an inexpensive technique. Also, it is easy to produce and does not require any synchronization of the voice with the character's lip movement. While watching movies with voiceover, the viewers can hear the original actors' voices, which allows them to feel the climate and the original sounds of the film. Mam wymienić tę piękną tkaninę na te marne skóry? W górach jest za dużo myśliwych. To wasze zmartwienie. Chcecie mieć tkaniny? Przynieście nowe skóry. Porządne. Stories like this one prove that almost anything is possible as long as you have enough passion and determination. Mirek Połatyński, an experienced actor from Opole, Poland, came to Canada with almost no English. He learned the language, graduated from the Center of Film and Theatre at York University in Toronto, 
became a theater director, opened his own theater company, Atlas Stage Productions, and now works both in Poland and in Canada, building the bridges between the cultures through theater. How did this happen in such a short period of time? I came here just to study, that's it. Uh, and I didn't think about what I will do after the, the, the York University, the Center for Film, Film and Theater. And I've got uh, MFA, Master of Fine Arts from, from, from York. Yeah, that's, that's true. I came here to Canada and really with almost zero English. And that was, that was the challenge. I was going to school. Uh, I was an ESL, English as a Second Language. And then after 10 months, that was my idea just to go to York University English Language Institute. You graduated from that department, uh, which gave you a master's degree to become a theater director. And that's what you started doing. So can you just talk a little bit about all these next steps in your career? I have many, many friends, uh, you know, in Poland, directors, producers. After after, after the York University, after I graduated, I didn't know what to do to go back to Poland with that uh, directing diploma or stay here and, and try do, doing something here. And then I was just consulting my friends and they told me, you know what, it will be good to stay in Canada, to get new knowledge, experience, to work a little bit, and then you can come back to Poland. And then uh, you, when you come to Poland, you will be some experienced director. Otherwise, you will be just a student, you know, after just, just although you, you are 50 years old, then that was a good idea, really. And then I came with the idea just to, to found uh, theater, Atlas Stage Productions Canada here in theater, just to cooperate, to make some, to build some bridges between, at the beginning, Polish and Canadian culture, to make exchanges, the actors, theater, culture. So Atlas Productions was really created by you as yeah. a way of bringing those two cultures together. And find out if that's possible, really, that some new third idea will come with this mixture, you know, like. That's why the first production uh, of Atlas Stage Productions Canada was Canadian play, G.F. Walker's play, a theater of the film Noir. That was a mixture. That was the idea, the first idea. If it is possible to mix the, the actors uh, from different backgrounds and different, uh, different countries, that was experiment-like a little bit. We have played, I don't remember now, probably 15 times in Canada, that play, and that was the idea to go to Europe to make a tour. And we've spent 26 days in Europe presenting that show in different cities in Poland and then five times in Vienna. Let's just fast forward a little bit to where we're now and talk about a very interesting relationship. You are you really became uh, an exporter of, of mm -hmm. plays by very famous Canadian uh, playwright, Norm Foster. How did this happen? Sometimes when we really encourage uh, ourselves to open some doors, uh, you can see different different possibilities. That's why we, sh we should try. We should try to dream and we should take a risk sometimes to ask somebody if that's possible. So I was really surprised what the Canadian playwrights, what they do. I was really positively surprised. Because in Europe, in Poland, before, although I was so so many so so, so many years an actor, and I was I was at the theaters, the Canadian theater, Canadian playwrights were absolutely not known in Europe. 
And when I was, when I was going to, to, to Poland asking producers, uh, artistic directors, actors, if they know uh, Canadian authors, 100% answer was never heard about that. Of course, US, yes, not Canadian. Then I asked them, oh, can you take a risk when I will translate some two or three things? Can you take a risk just to read it and to, to see if that's the potential? They, they told me, yes, of course, why not? I read I don't know how, how many, that was over 400 different Canadian plays. Accidentally, I, I read two or three plays of, of uh, Norm Foster. And although there were comedies, there always was something beneath some substantial topics, not only flat comedy, shallow comedy, you know, or, or farce. That was something really interesting. Really, that was the intuition too. I thought, okay, maybe I, I try to translate it. And I, I, I sent it to Poland, and suddenly they told me, Mirek, you know what? That's really something good. That's so how many have you translated, and how many have you staged so far in Poland? You know, I have I have translated already, not not only Norm Foster, to be honest, but Norm Foster is really that, that main Canadian author I translated. And I have uh, exclusive rights, but I have done already 26, of, of, of 26 pieces of him. Twelve of them were produced in Poland, and four of them were produced by myself as a director. I was I have directed them uh, four 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 pieces in and Poland. And these are in 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 major theaters with theaters incredibly well known actors, right? Yes, well -known with the actors. stars. Mm -hmm, with the film stars. TV and theater. You're bringing that play that you translated into Polish with Polish actors to Canada very soon yes. in the fall, yes. right? Yes. That will be the bedtime stories. And this is going to be in Polish, but are you thinking of having English subtitles in yes, English? Yes, that's the idea, that we don't want to limit uh, the audience. The, the idea to to exchange the culture, to exchange actors or to exchange uh, productions, that's the one one thing of that the, of that plan. The second one is to mix the, the, the audience. That helps really the, the Canadians to see how Polish actors and Polish theater is coping with uh, with uh, with a Canadian Canadian piece and the Norm Foster is really prolific Canadian author and the, the people like people like him really and I think that will be interesting very interesting experience too for for both you know sides I mean for Polish audience and for the Canadians too. Do you see yourself more as a as a pole as a pole who does things in Canada or as a Canadian I don't know Polish Canadian doing things mostly in Poland where do you really see yourself now <laughs> That's an interesting question really <laughs> I'm not you know that's that's something something strange what happened with me what I have realized when I come when I when I fly to Poland and I do some stuff some 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 directing you know work People, people take me like Paul, but still they are interested. How did the, the, the Canadian are working? What is the methodology? Uh, and really, there is something different in working with the actors, Europeans, not only Poles, but Europeans too, and Canadians. The goal is the same, you know, which means we have to get some interesting piece that that the story should be told. But to get it. We need, in Canada, we need a little bit less time and they have a lingo, you know, very, very simple lingo that you can very, very fast get some part or some communication with the actors. In Europe, 
it is not like that. They spend more time at the table. That's why sometimes as a director in Poland, I feel I'm educated in Canada and with that American method. And then I feel like I'm Paul who is using the Canadian methodology. I'm Paul, but, but from Canada. When I work here with Canadians, because I've done already 13 different pieces with Canadians too, and Polish play too in English. Then they take me like, okay, he finished here in Canada directing, uh, but he's still somebody who can give us interesting stuff and methodology, acting methodology uh, as a Pole. Because Polish theater is considered here in Canada, I have heard many times about that, that is one of the best theaters in the world. What are the other ones? English, English, French, and mm-hmm. uh, and Polish. Plans, just just very briefly, what what are your plans? You know future? what? Now I have to go to Poland because th- there is my next directing in Poland. An opening night will be 10th of September in Częstochowa at Mickiewicz Theater. Then I've got next pro- proposal from Poland from Warsaw. Probably will start in December. Of course, uh, I'd like to bring some Polish Polish uh, theater to Canada. And the next next area is Germany. I've done Norm Foster play in October in Austria at Kleines Theater in Salzburg with Austrian actors. And one actress was was from Berlin, and that was the start, like like the, the first vehicle to get German area, German speaking area. It will start probably in Berlin, and I would like to start my own production maybe next year in Poland. I never think about career. I never think about is it good direction or not. Do I have a plan B or not? And I'm just doing my stuff. I do I do what what I really love. That's my life, part of my life. That's it. To learn more about Mirek Połatyński, his work, and the upcoming production which is going to be presented in Toronto very soon please go to our website at mypolcast.com. In the last episode, we played this sound, wondering if you can guess what it is and where in Poland you can hear it. Piłsudski Square in Warsaw is the largest square of Poland's capital and one of the biggest in Europe. As the site of the tomb of the unknown soldier, the square has been the scene of many historic events for over centuries. Important official guests to Warsaw and Poland have been officially welcomed there. The military parades are regularly held there. But once a year, the entire square fills up with Warsawians who come there to sing together. It happens every year on the 1st of August, on the day when 1944 Warsaw Uprising began. People get together on a hot summer evening and sing songs from over 70 years ago as one of the ways to commemorate citizens of Warsaw who took up arms in an attempt to liberate their town from the German occupation. Around 30,000 people, including families with children 
and seniors participate in those gatherings that started 10 years ago. It's time for our next sound from Poland. Here it is. Listen, think, guess. Where do you need to be in Poland in order to hear this sound? And what is it? You've been listening to the 19th episode of Polcast. Polcast is created, recorded and produced in Toronto by... Małgorzata Bonikowska and Tomek Kniat. For full-length interviews, visuals and a lot of additional information, please visit our website at mypolcast.com. In our next episode, we will tell you how a Canadian writer wrote a play about his Jewish roots after making a visit to Poland which changed his way of thinking about his identity and all he had ever learned about Poland. How the inhabitants of Krakow deal with dragons. How a young Canadian musician, a Juno Award winner, sees Poland after living and working there. And we leave you today with rather unusual and very creative use of Polish language. Darni, beatbox artist from Singapore, living in Warsaw. Just... Listen to what he can do with Polish language. Hey guys, just want to say that if you want to learn how to beatbox, you got to learn to speak some Polish words. That's the easiest way. So let me show you. Pozoci kapusta. This one, I'm sure many Polish beatboxers already know this one. Pozoci kapusta. It means why you need a cabbage. And another one is biskopte. It means biscuits. And then there's another one. Pieps. It means pepper. And papa, it means bye. And then when it comes to the drop, I'm going to tell you later what it means. Ready? 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 Put the chicken booster. 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 Biscop the 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 so this is how you do it. And odd bit means anus. Peace.